0: Welcome to a special episode of Just Saying. My name is Joe McCormick. Periodically, I pair podcasts around uh, important topics. And this one is going to be about the amount of noise that's headed our way. Um, Specifically, we're on the heels of COVID, um, a global pandemic. And then right on its heels, we're seeing protests are up around the country, around the world, really. So what I wanted to pair were two podcasts. Uh, One is um, podcast number 58 on perception management, and that came out in October of 2018, and then podcast number 74 around the loss of civil discourse, and that came out in January 28th, 2019. So these were over a year, almost a year and a half ago. And... We're having an uproar right now on race, on inequality, inequity, uh, the state of society. There's a lot of things right now that are being discussed in a a bold way, in an aggressive way, in an important way. And we need to be able to communicate constructively. And um, the first podcast, Perception Management, is all about facts and feelings and managing that, managing all that. And then the second one is about maintaining civil discourse, being able to talk with each other and hear each other. And maybe right now, when you're listening to this podcast, um, I may feel it's impossible, or I may give up on on people or the process, or I may limit my reading or my research or my fact-finding. I may feel strongly one way or the other. Um, I may be fed up, frustrated. I may disagree. I may stop listening maybe all these things, and that's why I wanted to publish this special episode. So listen, reflect, and take some of these insights to heart. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Just Saying. My name is Joe McCormick, your host. Today, we're going to talk about facts and feelings. If you're new to the podcast, welcome, and if you've been here before, welcome back. As you may know by now, I've written a book called Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less. And I'm the managing director and founder of The Brief Lab, where our mission is to help people master clear and concise communication. The point of this podcast is pretty straightforward, is to help you and your ideas stand out given an environment which is very difficult. So today we're going to tackle the tricky but really important issue of facts and feelings. Perception is reality. How do we manage our feelings, our emotions, and what's true, what's not true? And what the point here today is that, you know, feelings are real, facts are real, but how how do we know the difference between them and and, and how can we manage this, this dynamic better? And this was inspired for me in a very specific scene in a movie called Inside Out. It's an animation. It's a story of a young girl named Riley who is really going through a hard time. Her family moves and she is, her emotions are all over the place. And what's interesting about this movie, it's fascinating and I highly recommend you watch it, is that all of these feelings that she has are personified. So you have joy as a character, sadness as a character, anger, fear, disgust, and it's a really funny movie. But it's deeply insightful into the human condition. An amazing movie. So in the movie, Riley is just going through a really hard time. And it's the journey that she's on to try to resolve this, you know, you know, resolve this uh, difficult that she's going through. And in one particular scene in the movie, um, there's there's a train, I think, and there's a, a box, and unbox that says facts and feelings. And one of the characters says, oh, those two things, people mix them up all the time. Because they're kind of spilled on the floor, and that's the point of the podcast today: is is, you know, how do we manage these perceptions, these 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 feelings? So you're going to go into what that is, and I, I'm going to put a link on the, on the podcast for something called it's called a like a an emotion wheel or a feeling wheel. It was shared with me a number of years ago. It's really interesting because it talks about core emotions: fear, um, surprise, happiness, sadness, disgust, anger. And then sort of sub-level emotions off this. You'll, you'll understand when you see it. I'll, you'll, I'll link to it. Um, the fear, you know, anger is, you know, aggressiveness, frustration, distance, being critical, uh, disgust is the feeling of awfulness or disappointment, um, hurt. And then sadness might be hurt or depression or guilt or there's, disp- there's all these different feelings and it's a wheel and there's different variations of this wheel. The Feeling of being overwhelmed, um, helpless. Um, when you get into happiness, it's pride, acceptance, interest, contentment, playfulness. There's all these. So when ask a person asks you how you are feeling, it gives you a way of expressing your feelings. Like what what what's going? What are you? How are you feeling? Right? Because this is you know it's important because these perceptions can become a reality, for good or for bad. Um, so what I why 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 do I want to talk about this today? These perceptions can become reality. So what is fact and what is feeling? And, and let's go into that a little bit deeper because you can be easily deceived. I think things are going great right because I feel great, but they're not. Or the opposite. I feel that things are terrible, but they're not. Um, it, it also can be, um, you know, people are misinformed and uninformed. They're not looking for... For what's what you know, what's true. Um, people live in judgment. They just they're constantly judging others or circumstances, you know, inaccurately somehow. So, why are we going to do this? Is because how we feel every day can indicate what we think and what we do. Simply put, um, when feelings and facts are confused, our thinking might get sloppy. Certainly, our communication can get sloppy. Okay? I get overconfident. I start talking too much. I am un- unconfident and I feel unconfident. I start talking too little. There can be a direct correlation. okay. Um, so if you look at this, you know how do these things work together and that's what we're going to talk about. How do we, how do we handle this? So let's tackle how perceptions can become our reality. All right? Number one, it's easy to get deceived here. I feel a certain way. I feel, um, I feel like I'm on the right track, but in fact, I'm on the wrong track. Vice versa, I feel like I'm on the wrong track, but I'm not. I'm just having a bad day. Um, for me, this became very real when I was writing the book a few years back. It was a year process, and there were days that I felt great, but I was behind, and there were other days that I felt terrible, but I was on schedule. And there was moments that I felt confused, but it was part of the process. This, this whole series of emotions and feelings that I went through writing the book, if I didn't have people around me that could help me and to help guide me, those feelings could have been misleading. I could have been deceived. I could have stopped. I could have given up. And there's a number of moments where it was difficult for me to continue because I'm tackling this topic which apparently was so obvious and intuitive, but at, at, a, at, a, at a deeper glance, there's a lot to be said about the value of brevity. So that, the, all those feelings in that moment weren't always my friends. They weren't always my friends. So that was one thing, being easily deceived. The second one was that feelings could make us um, unwilling to gather more information. So the feeling felt like it was a fact, but, in, but the reality was something different. So there's a, uh, a book that we follow as a business, and the book is called Traction. And in the book Traction, the author proposes a system of managing a business called the Entrepreneurial Operating System, or EOS. What's fascinating about this book is it doesn't let you rely on your feelings. It makes you rely on the facts of the business and ways to measure so that you don't get deceived. This book has been in multiple editions, and there's an entire ecosystem of consultants that help, you know, implement this EOS or entrepreneurial operating system. The benefit, though, is it doesn't let you um, lose track. It's you, you, you. In a business, you can feel like you're making progress, in the same way that when you're in the car, you hit the gas. But if the car, if you're not getting traction, you're not going to be moving forward. Well, it's not that clear if you're just day-to-day relying on how you feel. So it establishes a set of rules and principles that organizations follow. And it's it's amazing because it's proven to be successful. And without getting into the details of how it works, the, the point is it, it separates those things in a very meaningful way. It doesn't diminish a feeling because feelings are real and they need to be recognized and acknowledged. But it also separates the fact, and the fact is how the business is being run. And in my experience, I saw this happen in a brutal way with a client of mine 15 years ago. He was super excited, super confident about his business, but then went out of, he went out of business, and it came overnight. He was, his feeling of confidence and euphoria and all the difficulties that he had overcome in his life, he transferred those feelings into the business, but he just did not read um, the facts of the business. He didn't have enough cash. The banks weren't giving him loans. Um, and he ran out of money. One day, I'll never forget it. I was in my office and I was doing consulting work for him. I got a phone call and they said, the police came, they locked up the building and everybody, the business just closed. Um, and it was horrible. It was a horrible thing. What happened? He was fundamentally mistaken in how he looked at what was real. Okay and that that was a, that was a huge problem and, and that was a huge mistake and I learned a lot from that because you can't always trust that the The third thing is that when we rely too much on feeling, too much on emotion, we can be in judgment of other people. We can look at people that don't agree with us or have a different opinion as being the enemy in the feeling of being threatened or the feeling of being um, misunderstood or the feeling of being um, disconnected might translate into a conclusion which is false. So all these things about being misled or not willing to go deeper into looking at what's factually true or just sitting in judgment, all of these feelings can lead us to the wrong place. So at this point, what I'd like to talk about is the value of emotions because emotions are great. You want to recognize... You know what what what's going on. I want to diminish that. Like going back to the the movie what made Inside Out, such a great movie, was that the they were recognizing that these things are powerful forces in our lives that affect how we, you know, think and act in a very real, immediate way. So if a person's feeling sad, they have to recognize that there's sadness. There's there's this is not a those th- th- in that sense. Doesn't mean that your life is coming to an end. That might be the false conclusion, but you have to recognize we have to recognize that, hey, I'm sad or there's moments where I feel joy um, or anger or fear or whatever those emotions might be. So here's a couple things that I just think are important when you think about your, your life as a communicator. Um, ask what's true. Ask what's true. So the feeling may indicate one thing. So if you look at that, it's like, all right, these are... Um, you know, look at feelings like uh, they're, they're signals. Okay, they they may be accurate, they may be inaccurate. So look at what's true. If you're flying in an airplane, using that as an analogy, you might feel like everything's great, but you might be flying upside down. So look at the, look at the look at the, the the dials, look at the indicators. What's true? Um, I'll give you an example here. Uh, I feel like a coworker is uh, uh, you know not professional. Well, what's true? Are they late for meetings? Like what are the facts? Um, do they, um, misspell things? Do they, um, mistreat their employees? Like what is actually, it's not the feeling, but what is actually true? Um, I think this person's confusing. Well, let's look at their writing. Let's look at their presentation skills. Let's look at their, how how they communicate with you. That feeling may or may not be true. Perception is reality. Yes. But you have to ask, but what is real underneath it? And one of the things that we talk about in our courses is if you don't manage yourself as a communicator, you can give the perception, false, that you're not qualified or that you are leading a project that's going to be at risk. You may give off the wrong impression. So you have to ask first, what is true? And in this case, um, perception can be reality, but we have to look a little bit deeper. The second thing is recognize it, don't ignore it. So if this is In fact, like a powerful emotion or feeling, don't dismiss it. It could be a symptom or it could be a telling sign of an issue, but it's not the whole truth. It could be an early indicator. So if you look at if like a feeling is a signal, it points to something, look at pain. Well, I I feel like, all right, I'm in pain. You might want to see why. We're, 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 you're feeling that way, and you might discover that there is actually an issue that you have to address, or you might address. You might find out that hey, this is a tendency. Like um, when I work on long projects, I get frustrated easily, but it doesn't mean that I'm on the wrong track. These are just some considerations. If we manage it, you know, facts and feelings—they're not facts versus feelings. they're just facts and feelings, perception management. If we if we don't manage this. Um, It'll start managing us Um, Hiring people I feel like this person's going to be great Well what's actually true I I like the person So I'm going to bring them on board Or I dislike the person There are many many examples Of people who use feelings As the the driving force In the interviewing process There's a whole separate issue I could talk about in another podcast Called behavioral based interviewing Um, A friend of mine who leads that business, is all around not would you, what would you do, but what did you do. So it's getting at the fact, what did you do, um, not, and getting feelings out of the picture because they can be deceptive. Um, long projects could be an, an opportunity for feelings to mislead us, right? You lose heart, you get fatigued, all right? And they're just opinions of people. I like this person, I dislike this person, but what's actually true? So these are, these are areas where we just have to be careful that we don't let... Um, Our feelings get in the way sometimes, recognizing, though, that they they do have power, they do have um, value. So if you feel that this was a useful, productive podcast, it might very well be a fact. Just saying. Welcome to the podcast, Just Saying. My name is Joe McCormick. I'm your host. Today, we're going to talk about the loss of civil discourse. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been here before, it's really, really great to have you back. As you may know, I've written a book called Brief, Make a Bigger Impact by Saying Less, and I'm the managing director and founder of The Brief Lab, where we help people become clear and concise communicators. Today, we're going to tackle a subject which Worries me, and I think probably worries a lot of people, which is the noticeable change in just public demeanor, how people talk to each other, and how it really seems like people are becoming uncivilized. if you it doesn't take anything uh, to turn on a TV station, turn on a cable news show, and watch how people talk specifically about politics. And I'm not going to get political here and take one side or the other. Um, if you know me personally, and you you know what I think. And if you don't, and you see me, or you bump into me, or ask, and I'd be happy to share with you what my thoughts and opinions are about different things. What, am I, what I'm really worried about and, and want to focus on today is how this can spill over from the political realm, where everything is politicized, to to how people personally and professionally converse, how they communicate, and how polarizing um, it can get. It's a little background. I just, you know, if you look at the, just the term civil, you know, it implies being polite, approachable, open, um, ordered. The term civilization is something we pride ourselves in, that we live in a civilization, that we're civilized. Well, what does that term even mean? You know, it's, it's reaching an advanced, go to the dictionary, an advanced state of human society in which a high level of culture, science, industry, and government has been reached. Those people or nations that have reached such a state. It seems like we're losing that, and it's not just in the political realm. I think it's spilling over to us personally and professionally, and I want to get at it. Like, that this is happening, and it's not okay, and we have to be the people that reinsert the ability to have civil discourse. And it's noticeable. I've seen, and I've referenced this on podcasts before, uh, exchanges that I've seen which are really noteworthy, where two people who are completely different sides of the spectrum are having a conversation about something, and it's civilized. And I think the, the sign of a civilized society is that we can have discourse on things that we take different viewpoints, because at the end of the day, we share way more in common than 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 is different. And I think we see that if we actually start to look deeper. And I'm not talking about just politically. I'm talking about at work or, or at home. We we share way more in common than we maybe give it, give it credit. So how do we dig deeper into this, into this issue that that I find you know it's 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 worrisome. It's certainly worrisome for me. And, I, and you look at this, well, the, the, if you think about, okay, if it, take politics aside, I mean, I think that starts a lot of this and it's really accelerated it. But if you look at like just opinions, like how, how to dress or how to decorate an office or what furniture to have or music that people listen to or, or people's plans, maybe a plan to close an office or a plan to launch a product. Um, where we might disagree with it. We think it's a bad idea. Um, don't close that office, I work in it, for example, or don't launch that product I've I've done the research and I don't think it's gonna work or decisions to move. Um, you know, maybe I'm gonna move from one place to another. Your your family, your co-workers or friends have um, decisions that they've made that you look at with the maybe, a different perspective or experience or time. And so like, that's a bad idea and you can see it from a mile away. How we communicate about that, how we discourse about that can, it can get, it can become uncivil. So how do how do you deal with this? And how do we reacquire the, the traits of, 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 of people that can have different opinions about plans and decisions and approaches and tastes and perspectives and still communicate about them civilly. Well, here's just some things to consider. I think the first is is the quality and the type of listening. We've talked about this in podcasts before where the distinction is is people are listening to versus listening for. So when you're listening to agree or you're listening to reply or respond versus listening for understanding the and you're familiar with the term elusive 600 if you're not it's basically how the brain processes information right you got 750 words kind of processing as you're listening and the person is speaking 150 so you got 600 words that are floating around well you have to monitor and manage that elusive 600 right i call that awareness management so you're just managing that awareness in your listening and you're listening to a person Am I ask, my, ask yourself, am I listening to respond or to agree, or am I listening for understanding? And that distinction changes the listening. I call that present listening, and it's a play on words, present because you're doing it in the moment, and present because you're giving it as a gift. It's a gift. It's, it's a quality of listening, which is rare, but it's the quality that's present in, in civil discourse. So think about the listening. How, how am I listening? The second thing is, it might surprise you, but it's courage. We go into these situations, and you and we we watch how people do it politically. You you know you go and and you look on TV, and it's like it's it's like it's like a cat fight, and we may lack the courage to engage. So it's easier to just check out or to talk to people that I agree with. Well, that conflict that that the difference of opinion can be super important because there's things that we just discard and we, we, just, we choose to check out because we're afraid. At the end of the day, we're afraid of disagreeing. We're afraid of conflict. We're, we're afraid of losing the argument. Um, there's fear there. So courageously engaging, um, it requires a choice that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have courage. There's a bit of risk there. I'm going to go into this conversation and I want it to be a civil discourse. But the easiest thing for me to do is somehow just disengage or check out. And I, I, I would, I, I would, when I see when I've seen people that have gone into conversation, you never know how it's going to go, right? It takes two people to be in a conversation, right? In discourse, you, for your part, go into that conversation with some courage, with, um, with some boldness. That like, I don't know how it's going to go, but I'm going to approach it um, and not be afraid and just check out because it's easy to just like. You know what, you've seen this, like, people in companies around a call and somebody's got an a, a discussion and people have got different opinion and somebody just kind of, like, you know, stops talking, disengages, and just, you know what, a little passive-aggressive just sort of checks out. So I highly recommend not doing that, having a little bit of courage. That's the second thing. The third thing is take convincing out of the formula. So the, the it, when, when it's truly... A balanced exchange where two people are having a conversation where they really apparently in many cases they may end up agreeing, but let's say apparently don't agree. You know, I think that we should keep the office open. I think we should close it. Don't launch the product. I think we should launch the product. Take the convincing out of the, the conversation for a second. There's a, a term that I use when I teach our courses, which you may be familiar with, which is tell me, don't sell me. So Stop trying to persuade, push, convince, jam a perspective and just convincing isn't the end state, right? I'm, I'm listening for understanding. I'm, I want to understand what you're, where you're coming from and, and why you hold this perspective, this opinion, this plan, this decision. But I'm not trying to convince you, okay? And not trying to make it convincing. It's, a, it's an element that I think makes it a debate where somebody wins and somebody loses. We talked about this in a previous podcast, if you take convincing out, it makes it so much better. And then finally, I think recognize and acknowledge in people when they're being civil and when they're being a good listener to what you're saying, that you don't abuse it. You recognize and acknowledge it as a skill. It's a gift. They're, they're listening to what you say. They don't agree with you. They're not trying to convince you. Um, they're not being pushy. They're they're, they're they're they have the courage to sit in the conversation, even though, um, you know, they don't share your opinion. I think acknowledging it, recognizing it is important. That affirmation is super important to people. Hey, you know what? I really appreciate the fact that you listen to me, and I know that you don't. You, you've told me that you you look at things differently, and I appreciate that we were able to have this conversation, and. You know the old uh, "we agree to disagree," but it was civil, and I think I think people need to to be affirmed in that way because I I, I think it's it's rare, and when you see it, don't abuse it, acknowledge it. So those are just you know, kind of go quick summary: be a present listener, be there, not uh, l- listening for understanding, courage, courageously engage, right? Don't check out. Take the convincing out of the picture, and then and then acknowledge it when you see it when you, when when civil discourse is present. Acknowledge it. I think at the end of the day, it, it's, you respect that someone else isn't you and will never be you. <laughs> and, and that it bears repeating. You respect that they're not you and they're never going to be you. So we're not trying to make them, you know, uh, you know a power play where they're gonna we're gonna I'm I'm trying to, to push this and have you become me because people are different, right? They're free. To choose, even if their choice is a mistake or mistaken, or we believe that it is. So those are just some thoughts about the loss of civil discourse. It troubles me deeply, and I think that as a civilization, each of us can have an important role to elevate our game back to where it needs to be. And it starts with two people, it starts with 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 you, and then and then by example another person. And we can have. Um, conversations we can communicate, and have it where it's not a catfight. So here's your homework. Go watch a news station, like a debate. Find a really good debate where they're pitting people against each other. And just see how absurd they're acting. Just how absurd it is that the civil discourse is completely gone, the producers have made it so. Nobody's listening or even cares to listen. It's all noise, just saying.